The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Presenting Season 8, Collision. Dead Meat, Part 2. Written by Mercedes Lackey and Cody Martin. The black snake had started to filter out of the storeroom. They were a little more cautious now, and were spreading out into the store proper. How many of them were there? Had they been crammed into every bit of cover in the storeroom? I'm already tired of these assholes coming after me, and I don't even remember the first time they tried. John sprang from cover. He lit up three mercs with his pistol. Since they were wearing body armor, he was aiming primarily for their heads or at their pelvises. A cracked pelvis, not to mention whatever might be bleeding in that area, would stop damn near anyone. It was brutal, but effective. All three went down, two of them screaming. Return fire snapped and hissed all around him. He expended the last rounds in his gun while ducking down an aisle and running. Moving, he barked. There was another merc there. It looked like they were trying to flank around already. Reacting, John jabbed the hot barrel of the 1911 into the merc's right eye and followed it by kicking the man's knee backwards, breaking and hyperextending it. The merc went down screaming, clutching his ruined eye. He's out of the fight. John caught a glimpse of his partner as he was racing down the aisle. She was still wreathed in flame, looking for another target. Sarah fought like a wildcat. Now that there was a bit more room, she darted around like a deadly dragonfly, using the spear like a staff. She still wasn't going for the kill, though, at least not deliberately. And that was a problem, because unless she accidentally set her victims on fire, they were going to get up eventually. These guys weren't paid to quit, after all. As she dashed back to John, he grabbed her elbow. Sarah, these guys are playing for keeps. If we don't stop them here, they're going to make it outside and we'll have to deal with more dead civvies. Okay? His tone was even, even slightly apologetic, but he had to get his point across. It hurt to tell her like that, but goddammit, it had to be done. Didn't it? She looked stricken. Then her face changed. Is this an order? she asked. John shook his head. Never easy with this one. No, it's not. Your call. If you can take him down and leave him breathing, do it. But keeping yourself breathing and keeping everyone out there breathing is more important than these bastards. She nodded. Then she took a deep breath and dashed out again. This time she wasn't holding back. But as she whirled and struck with spear or with sword, he could see she was crying. John really felt for her. He was used to these sorts of decisions as a soldier, but clearly she wasn't. Nothing to be done for it right now. Our priority has to be to get out of here alive and to keep everyone outside alive. She was still incredible. She was fighting everywhere that she needed to be, practiced and efficient with her weapons. If he wasn't too busy with the ugly work that he had to do himself, he would have taken the time to be amazed. A pair of mercs appeared at the end of the aisle that John was moving down. 
Before either could train their guns on him, he fired off a burst of flame from his outstretched hand, engulfing both men. They went down, writhing on the ground as John leapt over them. He had to keep moving. Otherwise, he'd get bogged down and surrounded. These black snakes were well-trained, if nothing else. He also had to be careful about using his fires in here. He really didn't want to deal with a four-alarm blaze with these mercs breathing down his neck. Besides, he'd have to fill out more paperwork, which somehow worried him more. Right now, he wanted to hem the black snake in, keep them away from the entrance, at least until backup arrived. He had reached the cash registers and candy racks, blasting two more mercs with fire on the way. He noticed a single merc just standing there. Whatever, if you're too dumb to give up or take cover, that's on you, pal. John launched a flamethrower blast at the merc, hitting him square on and covering him head to toe. Or at least, that's what he thought he'd done. As the flames dispersed, John saw that the merc was still standing, and unharmed. Instead of being on fire, the merc was holding a head-to-toe shield in front of him. A shield made of what looked for all the world like solid ice. It took his mind a moment to process this. It couldn't be regular ice. Another meta. This gig keeps getting better and better. The merc emerged from behind the ice shield, swinging it gradually to his side. John couldn't see the man's face underneath the balaclava, but he had the distinct impression that he was smirking. I've heard about you, old man. Old man. Goddamned punk, Otta. You're the one that took out two of our best recruiters, Okagi and old Chuck Smith. The meta chuckled to himself. They couldn't have been that tough. And honestly, I thought you would have been taller. John immediately raised and fired his pistol three times, all perfect shots at the meta's face. The merc was only saved by the proximity of his ice shield, which he brought up just in time to block the shots. John noted with satisfaction that the 45 ACP rounds were taking decent chunks out of the ice. Smirk about that, asshole. As John took aim again, the merc emerged from behind his shield long enough to chuck several jagged and lethal-looking spears of ice at John. His next shot was thrown off, missing the merc wildly, but that was a small price to pay to keep from catching one of those frozen projectiles in his eye. All right, shithead. Let's see if you like what I dish out. In a fluid motion, John holstered his pistol, dodged another ice spear, and called the fire to his arm. It leapt from there at the merc as if bidden, three short blasts that splashed against the ice shield. Concentrating, the fires on his outstretched arm intensified. The beam of fire was stronger this time, punching a hole in the ice shield with a flash of steam. It narrowly missed the black snake meta. Initiate protocol Delta! We're blown here! The merc screamed the command into his radio, tossing another spike of ice at John. It exploded against a shelf next to his head. By the time John looked up again, the meta was gone. Seconds later, a number of very loud bangs came from the back room. Almost immediately, John's headache ceased, so suddenly that it nearly staggered him, and his thinking cleared miraculously. He didn't have time to think about the implications. Four more mercs were heading his way. They started firing as soon as they saw him, two at a time while the others advanced. 
purely on instinct, he started blasting. In a moment, one went down with a smoking hole in his chest, and the others were being more careful. Now all of them were firing. John darted behind cover. They'd spread out and try to get around behind him soon, pin him in place, and then either start with the grenades or just shoot him. Let's short-circuit that. Instead of moving further off, he waited just around the corner that he had ducked behind. The mercs continued to fire, but he knew what they were going to do. They wanted to close in for the kill, and they'd get anxious, overexcited that they had him on the run. Or so they thought. With his off hand, John grabbed a broken soda bottle from the shelf, one of the thick-bottomed ones, while he was extinguishing his fires. The first merc rounded the corner, full of enthusiasm and ready to kill. Then the bottle came up under the merc's chin while the sling was pulled tight and away, bringing the rifle out of line with John. The bottle broke with the impact, shards digging into the soft part above the man's Adam's apple. The merc's blood poured down John's hand, but he kept ramming with the bottle until it shattered in his hand, cutting him. He'd been prepared for that, but he was still getting used to how much stronger he was now than he remembered being. The next two mercs rounded the corner. In the time it took them to drink in the scene, John spun the dead merc in his arms, grabbing the gear webbing on his back with one hand and trying to make himself as small as he could. The two living mercs opened up, firing full auto into the body. He felt the nanoweave stiffen on his abdomen and his left arm, but the dead man's body and armor absorbed most of the abuse. John fell backwards, dragging the body down on top of him and lying very still. The nanoweave protected him, of course, but they might not know that. They stepped forward, reloading. John flipped the dead man off to the side, drawing his pistol and firing twice. Both mercs caught the rounds in the face, dropping to the ground limply. From the corner of his eye, he caught a flash of fire. It was Sarah darting around the area, moving impossibly fast. Even with my enhancements, I don't think I could move that fast, he thought. She disappeared around a shelf, but from the other side came gouts of flame, smoke, and a lot of screaming. None of the mercs were going to get past her. When they tried, she intercepted them. It appeared she couldn't throw fire the way he could, but that spear and sword were plenty lethal, and anyone stupid enough to come close to her ended up engulfed in flame. Can't be too many more of them, he said under his breath. John scanned the area quickly, picking up the rifle, some sort of high-end M4 with all the bells and whistles, from the merc he had killed with the bottle. Now to find him. John spun around as a chunk of ice caught him in the left shoulder. The nanoweave stiffened so much under the blow that he couldn't move his arm momentarily. The next chunk hit him square in the chest, taking him off balance and partially knocking the wind out of him. Completely out of reflex, he brought the rifle up. The move saved his life. The black snake meta brought what looked like a knife formed of ice right down at John's throat. Instead of nearly taking his head off, it split the rifle passing between the upper and lower receiver with enough force to actually warp some of the metal. The ice was different this time. It had to be super dense in order to do that to the billet receivers of the rifle. John, still off balance, had no leverage. He thought that the merc was grinning through the balaclava. Then he knew why. 
The ice knife was growing longer, the point driving towards John's unprotected throat. Centimeters away! A wash of fire with a white-hot core in the shape of a sword shattered the knife. Before the merc could react, he got the butt of a fiery spear in the gut, and as he bent over in pain, Sarah hit him with the flat of her sword and flared all of her fires, sending him backward, engulfed in flame. Oh, shit. Some of that gear melts. The merc shrieked in a high soprano, trying to roll to put the fire out, and only succeeding in spreading melting plastic and synthetic materials all over himself. The merc regained enough sense to use his metahuman power. A thick sheen of ice coated his body, extinguishing the burning materials and melting almost instantly. As his eyes fluttered open, John unholstered and pressed the barrel of his 1911 hard between the merc's eyebrows. Move and die, asshole, John growled. The merc, no longer grinning, surrendered. With Sarah's help, John secured the merc amidst the burnt man's cries of pain. John glanced to Sarah as he easily dragged the black snake meta up. Any other survivors? Two, John Murdoch, she said, her aura of flame dying. She nodded her head towards the shelves. There is one there, and one back in the larger room that you left wounded. Let's round them up, John replied. Once we get them together, we gag them. I'll handle crowd control while you watch them. He thought for a moment. I'll call HQ, let them know what the sitch is. Good? As you will, John Murdoch, she said, bowing her head a little and turning to go. John caught her arm lightly with his bleeding hand, still holding on to the murk. Sarah, he breathed, his expression softening slightly. I just wanted to say, thanks, for saving me. She caught her breath and looked at him searchingly. What was she looking for? Whatever it was, she didn't see it. She closed her eyes and let out her breath. It is my duty, John Murdoch she said, and tugged her arm away. Then she paused and gave him an earnest gaze. But you are welcome. I am pleased I could help. By the time they had all three of the survivors trussed up and left together in a clear area at the front of the store, the reinforcements from CCCP had arrived. The usual assortment of cops, EMS personnel, and firefighters all crowded around and busied themselves with their jobs. Since CCCP had taken this call, Echo was absent. Propriety was respected. You didn't come unless your help was asked for, and that cut both ways. And last, after all of the others, came Red Savior. Her first act was to order everyone out, save for Sarah and John. Soviet stayed behind without prompting. That included the EMS people, who knew better by now than to object when Red Savior issued an order. They'd already stabilized all three of the mercs, and Soviet was right there, qualified to take over responsibility. Truth to tell, John got the impression they were just as pleased to get out of there once Savior showed up. Savior towed one of the mercs, 
hard, eliciting a groan. She grinned wolfishly, while Soviet frowned slightly. I will be needing you to make sure this Svinya can answer questions, comrade doctor, Savior said, obviously savoring the chance to extract answers the hard way if need be. If any be living, we can pass them off to hospitals after. Soviet frowned slightly. Answers coming from pain are all but useless, Commissar, she protested. John nodded agreement as Savior turned to face them. He had been through SERE training, and it was decidedly not fun. He had picked up a lot of useful knowledge there, one particular point being that people being physically tortured would do anything to make the pain stop. Ask a guy if he killed Napoleon or Jesus or Batty Bunny, and he'd say yes and tell you how. There were a lot of ways to make people talk. Promise them pain, promise them favors, money, immunity from prosecution, protection for their families. But actual torture never got the job done. He'd seen it done. He'd never had the stomach to do it himself. Not clean, like fighting a war. And I'll be damned if I stick with this bunch if this gets dirty. True. So, Svenja, are best to be answering before pain truly begins. Savior stabbed each of the three in turn with her gaze, making sure they understood she meant exactly what she said. You will be telling me why you were here, why you were killing two sturdy workers. You will be doing this quickly and to my satisfaction. You will be telling me who ordered you to do these things. If not, you will not live long enough to regret the consequences. But you will be feeling those consequences. She smiled, showing all her teeth. I am to be having diplomatic immunity. And you are enemies of the state. Sarah stirred uneasily, looked as if she was going to say something, then looked at John and frowned a little. The black snake meta was the first to speak. Any of you say anything, and you're dead men. He kept his eyes fixed on Savior, sneering. Sarah moved to interpose herself slightly, her fire aura flaring a little. The Merc recoiled from her, but then did his best to regain his composure. Oh, one of the dogs has a spine. Savior casually stepped forward and backhanded the Meta, hard enough to almost knock him over. If you have anything other to say than answers to my questions, I will be most happy to break spine for you. She went back to where she had been standing, turning to face the other two wounded black snake mercs. Answer, please. You will go to hospital and will be tended to there. The mercs looked to each other. Then the one in the middle, the worst hurt of them, with the bullet wound to the pelvis courtesy of John, started talking in rapid fire. It was a trap. It was a setup from the start. Shut up! The one on the left was trying to interrupt. 
stop fucking talking before you get us all killed. I'm dying here. Screw you. The middle one almost doubled over, then straightened up. I'll tell you everything about the op. Just get me to the goddamned hospital. The sound of ice breaking did interrupt the wounded Merc this time. The ice chucker was up and moving. Must have frozen the zip-tie handcuffs. Made him brittle. Snapped him. Everyone moved to stop him, get him back under control, but he had the element of surprise and they were just too far away. In a few swift motions, he had formed an icicle as long as a yardstick, thrust it through the back of the nearest Merc's skull, withdrawn it, and planted it through the neck of the last Merc. John felt sick in the pit of his stomach from the sound of the man's gurgling and the snap as the icicle broke on the floor. Sarah's fires were ramped up. John, Savior, and Soviet all had their pistols drawn and trained on the Merc. Sarah was silent, but her fire sword was out again. Everyone else screamed for him to put his hands up, to get on his knees and drop any weapons. Slowly, the Merc dropped to his knees and raised his hands level with his head. Then the bastard grinned again. John already knew what the Merc planned to do, knew he couldn't stop it, but started forward anyway. Before he could take two steps, the Merc formed a solid block of the super-dense ice around his head, suiciding instantly. The body fell forward, the ice block slamming into the ground with a thud and sending skittering flecks of ice across the CCPer's boots. Sarah started back, her eyes wide with alarm. So did Soviet. Savior, however, only cursed. Loudly and colorfully, in Russian and English. She punctuated the final, Nazrat! by kicking the block of ice around the dead Meta's head. She whirled and faced John. You! she spat, thrusting a finger at him. Be writing full report! She glared at Sarah and pointed at her also. You as well! I want on desk in two hours! By this time, the rest of the CCCP backup team had gathered, keeping one wary eye on their leader while they shook their heads over the ice meta. The rest of you, she shouted. Evidence! Be looking for anything out of ordinary. Anything! Then she stormed off, and a moment later, the angry snarl of an earl fired up and quickly faded into the distance. John and Sarah both stood together silently as the rest of the comrades started to mill around them, looking for evidence among the wreckage and garbage in the store. Soviet was still next to the bodies of the last three mercs, shaking her head. Well, John said, I think it's time for a beer. Or seven. And paperwork. He turned his head to look at Sarah. Walk you back to base. I'll have Bear or Unta ride my Earl back. She looked at him askance. Why would you choose to walk, John Murdoch? He shrugged. Clear my head. Give me time to process this mess. He chuckled. It'll give me more time before I have to face the commissar again. She looked a little past him. If this is your wish, then we shall walk. 
she replied. He grinned. Let's walk, then. Three minutes later, John had arranged for his motorcycle to be taken back to HQ, and they were both past the throng of official personnel and onlookers that had gathered around the front of the store. I am unsure why you wish my company, John Murdoch, she said softly, wings moving restlessly as she walked. Our patrol is effectively over. Uh, there's still the paperwork. Plus, I wanted to pick your brain, see what you thought was going on back there. That entire setup, it was goddamn strange, don't you think? Very strange. And I cannot account for... for whatever it was that caused such head pain, she said, looking thoughtful. It cannot have been a toxin after all, can it? She walked with her hands clasped behind her back, beneath the wings. The two of them were attracting a lot of curious glances. He shook his head. We would have been feeling the effects still, I would think. No way that they'd drop off all sudden like that. And Sophie cleared us when she arrived on the scene. He walked a few more steps, his thumbs hooked through the top of his belt. It got worse the closer to the back that we got, where all of them were. Then it stopped real sudden-like, like it was, I don't know, shut off or something. He shrugged. Could have been a meta? Someone like Mamona. I do not know. I am not what I was she replied, with both sadness and annoyance in her voice. I suppose that is as good an explanation as any. I wonder why they wanted you, however. I was thinking about that. I know they came for me. John paused, looking slightly embarrassed. They came for me before. Maybe they found out about my memory, figured that they can give it another go. He shrugged again, then ruffled his hair. Doesn't seem to fit, though. I'm just a trigger puller with some extra tricks. That ain't enough to justify a high-profile operation like this one, especially with all of the heat that Black Snake has already. There's got to be something more to this, some bigger picture. He sighed heavily. I'm just not smart enough and don't have enough pieces of the puzzle to figure it out. You... You were considerably more than someone with extra tricks, Sarah replied carefully. You have yet to utilize more than a fraction of your considerable power. I believe that you will discover your artificial enhancements also grant you far more than you are aware of. You should be testing your limits. Her feet made almost no sound on the pavement, as if she had no weight to speak of. I have said this before. You should heed me. It is your duty to use every power at your disposal. All the same, 
he said, shifting the conversation. This whole mess doesn't feel right. I hope that we get some sort of lead out of it. I just have a feeling that there's something bigger going on, and if we can figure it out, we'll actually be making some headway. The sun had set and twilight fallen while they were battling the ambush. By this point of their walk, they were in something that was clearly a neighborhood. People, old people mostly, but a few kids, were coming out to sit on their doorsteps and gossip. More kids were playing kickball in the street. When people saw John, they waved as if they knew him. He waved back. He had become reacquainted with some of them and had been doing his homework with the journal. It had taken a while for that to become normal for him, though. The one real friendship with the neighborhood people that he had rekindled was with an elderly black shopkeeper named Jonas, who never wasted an opportunity to razz John about his shit memory, especially when it came to his turn to bring the beer. They passed by the community garden, which was flourishing. Kids were playing, carefully, in the rows between the plants. Or maybe they were weeding. Or both, really, they could weed and use the weeds they pulled up in whatever play they had going on. Despite the poverty of the surrounding area, the people here were happy. Struggling, but there was some spirit of togetherness that bound them together. John stopped in front of the entrance of the garden, watching the kids playing while their parents gossiped or worked in the garden, or both. I helped make this. John's voice held equal measures of wonder and satisfaction. Something good. Yes, Sarah said softly. You did. You gave them hope as well as food and brought them together for each other. She sighed a little but also smiled faintly. Though you had help. It was, it is, a good thing. John grinned, starting off again. It's something we can both be proud of, then. His face screwed up for a second. The reports were going to have to turn in, though. How good are you at dodging ceramics? Probably better than you, she replied and smiled just a very little more. I can fly. He chuckled. Maybe if we hurry back, we can get Chug to eat the commissar's supply of those horrible busts. Save everyone a lot of grief. They walked easily through the neighborhood, and John realized that, despite the violence earlier, he felt pretty damned good. You have been listening to Collision, Season 8 of the Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series. Season 8 is written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Music is Exciting Trailer by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle podcast is narrated and produced by Veronica Jaguer and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. The fourth book, Collision, is available in print and ebook in December 2014 from the amazing people at Bayon Books. 
For more information about the series or to listen to earlier seasons, check out www.secretworldchronicle.com. Want to chat with the authors and fellow SWC fans? Join the Secret World Chronicle group on Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening.